always green around the other side. Caterpillar to a butterfly. Bye, bye, butterfly. It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. We also talk about insects and birds and things to be doing outdoors. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Ashley Frasca, for the next hour or so. We've covered a lot of ground. Anything you want to go back and listen to later on from the 6 o'clock hour, from the 7 o'clock hour, you can do so maybe a little bit after 9 o'clock when you go to wspradio.com and click on On Demand and find Green and Growing, and you can listen back to parts of the show there. We've talked about being outside with a 3-year-old and kind of just basics of nature, how she knows watering plants and the sunshine, and we're going to be talking about uh, pollen and allergies and how they're affecting all of you, plus a six-year-old who's got bad allergies, and Atlanta allergy and asthma is coming up uh, in about 20 minutes to hopefully give us some good news, deliver some good news, maybe about some pollen subsiding. And a lot of the trees, they've they've lost some of the blooms and the flowers, so now they're leafing out. So we may be almost over the hump, guys, if you can wait it out a little bit. Well, we'll talk to Ted in Covington coming up about tulips. Evelyn in Noonan, a tree came down in a tornado. Oh, Noonan. So we'll definitely talk to Evelyn and um, give her some help there. Still cleaning up after those storms for sure. But up first, we'll start the hour talking to Kyle calling from Jefferson. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Hey, Ashley. Good morning. Um, we uh, So this house we moved into, they, these, the previous owner, uh, they built these really nice uh, raised beds. Um, so I'm planning on uh, planting them today, but I want to get your thoughts on prepping them. Uh, you know, the, the soil they have in them, they're, I, I'm not sure what the base soil is, but it's it's not dense. I mean, I'm sure they did it right, but I didn't know if I could just till this stuff up, add a little something, or if I should, uh, what, what would you say do? So lucky, uh, It looks like they've got some kind of a uh, potting mix in there as well. So it's more of a black than like a Georgia red clay color, right? A- absolutely. Yeah. And then you can tell the, the potting portion of it, you can tell, you know, it's got the little foam pieces in it. So it's it's definitely got some of that. Yeah, you're lucky, Kyle, because you're ahead of the curve. You didn't have to build the raised beds. <laughs> you didn't have to fill no, up. No, they're really the nice. Part. That's good because I built raised beds. Well, my husband built raised beds about two years back, and it took us 95 one cubic foot bags to fill those beds. And when we built them for height, we were like, oh, this is so smart. We don't have to bend over, and it's going to keep rabbits and stuff out. But when you think about 95 bags of of topsoil, like that was actually quite pricey. But yeah, once it's done, it's done. So, um, Probably, depending on how serious you're going to get, Kyle, I mean, the the right thing for me to say is get a soil test and just see what nutrients that it may be rich in and what nutrients it may be lacking. And that way, you know what to add. But generally, yeah, the soil blend you put into a raised bed, the most important ingredient, that's really what's going to determine the health of everything in there. And we know that we want that soil to kind of be a little spongy. Um, and not crumbly in our hands because that's indicative that it's dry, but crumbly, really soft. It's got air, so it's not compacted. Um, anybody starting off, you want a mix of topsoil, compost, other organic material like manure just to make sure that it's getting the nutrients that it needs. So you sound like you've got just the basic topsoil and you know garden soil bags from, from the big box stores perhaps or the nurseries that they started off with. So then maybe... If we're lacking some nutrients there, it would be good to to add some compost if you have some yourself or you have access to some 
or manure, even um, folks using like there's earthworm castings that you can get that helps uh, improve water retention of the soil and soil aeration. And also bone meal is something else that has some uh, nutritious value. So do that. And, you know, when we talk about compost too, Kyle, like people use shredded leaves and grass clippings and things and really till that in and work that in. The only thing I have against that, shredded leaves are great. Shredded leaves are absolutely great, but you got to be careful when doing grass clippings because you haven't, you know, you want to make sure the dog hasn't gone in the yard. You want to make sure that there's not been any herbicide used. And grass clippings, too, you're going to invariably have some of the weed seeds. So all that's going to do is, you know, bring those weeds into your raised bed. So, yeah, maybe you're looking more for, like, the nutrient side, adding some some compost and organic stuff to add nutrients there. Um, But you can do a simple soil test, too, just to make sure we've got all of the right levels of the things that we need. What are you looking to plant? I will plant some, uh, like, peppers, maybe some tomatoes, a couple herbs. Uh, got to have some cilantro in there. Yeah. Oh, you've got the basic stuff. I love it. Very good. <laughs> well, Kyle, yeah, I think you're off to a good start, my man. And do till it. I mean, mix it around a little bit. But also, too, when we when we do all the amendments and adding things in there, avoid stepping on it. If it's a raised bed, you're not likely going to do that. But just be careful tilling it, too. There's never anything that you want to do that's going to compact it. We want to keep it light and fluffy and airy. Uh, rake the surface smooth, water thoroughly, get all of it ready, you know, level it out for planting, and then you're good to go. Awesome. Thanks, Ashley. Hey, just in case she's listening, Joe Vita, we're thinking about you. Yes, that's really sweet, Kyle. And you're one of our beloved traffic troopers as well, so I'm sure that I'll probably be hearing from you in the traffic center one morning next week when you're on your long commute down. No doubt. All right. Have a great day. Thanks, Kyle. You too. Yeah, Jovita Moore, Channel 2 Action News anchor, um, undergoing brain surgery yesterday to remove two brain tumors that were just found, from my understanding, earlier in the week. So that was a very quick turnaround. The doctors at Emory uh, University Hospital taking very good care of her. They said she was a model patient coming through brain surgery. So the recovery time could be eight to ten weeks. So thank, uh, thank you, Kyle, for bringing that up and for mentioning that. That is part of our Cox Media Group family here, and we're all thinking about Javita and praying for her speedy recovery, some much-needed downtime just to make sure you get back to good health. Okay, up next, Evelyn in Noonan. Good morning. Welcome to the show, Evelyn. Good morning. So, I have a question about the residue left when you grind up trunks of trees and root systems. I have a large mound of this. I also have many holes, ditches sort of, where trees had fallen and they had to be removed. Just Noonan in certain areas is in sort of a a royal mess, I would say. And I didn't know if that residue could be used to fill in holes with, I'll use that word. Hmm. So did you, is it like sap that was coming from the tree or what, what is the residue like? Is it a sticky residue? It's kind of grainy, I'd say. It's not anything. It's where they ground up all of this. Uh Okay. So once you have the stumps uh, ground out, you can use all of that to backfill that hole. And then if you intend to plant there, um, topping it off with some topsoil and stuff, but you got to be sure you know, there's there's occasions where the the ground's going to sink just a little bit from having those roots in there, and the roots decaying over time are going to lead to 
holes in the lawn. But I think as soon as you've got the wood chips, um, using them as mulch, you can do that pretty soon. All right. As in pretty soon, do you mean like a week or what do you mean? Mm. Well, I guess, uh, Evelyn, I don't want to, I don't want to lead you astray because I'm thinking, I guess it depends on the tree too. If they're pine trees and the wood chips are going to be a little more acidic, that may need to rest for a little bit longer versus some other hardwood trees that the mulch is going to be safer to use. Um, wow. I really wish Christy Bryant was still here. She would know the answer to this. Um, if anyone else has good advice for Evelyn, because I guess it too, it depends on if you're putting it in vegetable beds versus flower beds versus, you know, what you're using that for. So Evelyn, I want you to keep listening just because again, I don't want to stray you wrong. And I'm sure, you know, people do have mulch put onto their property and it does set in a pile for weeks at a time. I don't know if it's just because they're not getting around to spreading it very quickly or if it's something that the folks that dumped it off say, hey, this needs to rest and set before you apply it. So, um, Evelyn, yeah, keep keep listening because I'm going to see, I'm going to reach back out to Christy and just make sure you're safe to use that. But again, backfilling where that stump was ground out, that's going to be just fine. But again, you want to worry about the land settling there a little bit and it may create some pits and holes in the landscape over the next couple of years as everything underground starts to decay. So thank you for the question. I hope you're recovering very well and quickly from the storms that went through. We were thinking about you guys and trying to help the community out as best we all could. And it's amazing to have heard some of the stories that came out of Coweta County and Polk County and how folks really pulled together to help one another out. So Evelyn, good luck to you. All right, we'll talk to Ted in Covington in just a moment. And coming up after the break, I've got Atlanta allergy and asthma on. We may have some good news for you, pollen sufferers and allergy allergy sufferers. So stay tuned for that here in five minutes. I'm Ashley Frasca. It's Green and Growing on WSB. Thank you, Scott Slade. So this is the time where I give you a brief weather update that is sponsored by Finley Roofing. And you know it's going to be cloudy today. You can already tell high around 67. But tomorrow it's going to warm up, mostly sunny tomorrow and Monday with highs in the low to mid-70s. So you hear Scott Slade's voice there, and you often hear his commercials here on the station for Atlanta allergy and asthma. And with me on the line, I've got Dr. Kathleen Sharon. Good morning. Good morning. So... I mean, I'm I'm not going to lie. In, in getting the show together, I'm always thinking, what am I going to talk about on Saturday? And I heard that Scott Slade commercial yesterday morning, and I said, allergies, pollen. That's what I want on the show on Saturday. So I appreciate you coming on. And folks can go on AtlantaAllergy.com, and that's exactly what Scott does every morning during Atlanta's Morning News to kind of share with you the pollen count. And it changes day to day. And Dr. Sharon, we are looking at pollen count for trees and grasses and weeds. But Tell us about that scale. Like today, it's 463. Yesterday was maybe close to 1,700. What does that right. scale reflect? And and if people want the details, they should go on our website because it's spelled out. It's a little different for trees and grasses and weeds. But since we're in the tree season, um, anything above 90 is considered high and above 1,500 extremely high. So what that means is um, people who are allergic will start to have symptoms, even when it's down in the moderate range. Uh, but when it's extremely high, and we've had 
21 days since February where it's been either in the high or the extremely high range, um, anybody with seasonal allergies are going to have symptoms. But when it's ridiculously high, like 6,000 or 7,000, it almost bothers everybody because when it's so thick you can sweep it with a broom or you have to push it off your car, it's an irritant and all that yellow stuff bothers everybody. Oh, no kidding. And listen to this conversation I had with a six-year-old yesterday about his allergies. kind of makes me sad. Why are you sneezing today? Because I'm allergic to grass. What kind of grass? Um, every kind. Every kind? Where do you go to get help? Um, we usually go to the doctor. They just do some stuff. Yeah? Does it hurt? No? So what happens when you sneeze? Um, well, literally, I get allergy medicine. Ooh, does that help? <laughs> uh-huh. What about right now when you and Mom are bothered by pollen? What does pollen look like? Um, it's a yellow and... And that it's made by bees and butterflies. Does it make you sneeze? Mm-hmm. So okay. six-year-old six Connor you. is one of your patients, and I asked when he sneezes, why is he sneezing? And he says, I'm allergic to grasses. So what are some of those allergies? Is that is that okay, so, real? So right now um, it is mostly tree pollen. Okay. okay. And the big trees, the yellow stuff that he talked about, is the pine pollen. It's what you see, but it's really what you don't see what gets you. It's um, the oaks, the sycamores, the willows, the birch trees, um, and any of the trees that flower that look really pretty, uh, the the, uh, dogwoods, the cherry trees, those aren't the culprits. It's Mm. the um, sort of standard trees that that are in our our city, except the pine tree. That bothers everybody, and that's the yellow stuff you see. And tree season starts in February, depending on how warm it is, and it'll kind of go up and down. Then we have it, all the trees through March and April. So we're on the down slope for April uh, with trees, but what happens is you're on the upslope for grasses. And there are people who will say, well, when the yellow stuff is out, I don't have any problem, but come after that stuff goes away, I'm miserable. And those people are allergic to grasses. That goes on into end of May. Wow. All right. Well, folks can definitely reach out to you. And briefly, Dr. Sheeran, give me some of the maybe treatment options that folks who are bothered by allergies almost year-round, what are the options they have? Okay. Well, there are lots of over-the-counter options uh, right now. If you're you know, it's runny, itchy, sneezy, and congestion. Mm-hmm. The antihistamines, the Zyrtex, the Claritins, the Allegra's, they help runny, itchy, sneezy, but don't do a whole lot for congestion. So for congestion, you want to look for um, the Flonase, the Nasacort. And if your eyes are bothering you, there are lots of options over the counter. And right now, there's a what used to be prescription, uh, Pataday, which is out, which is great drug. Not that there aren't others, but Patiday, or it's called Olapatidine, is a great choice. Dr. Sheeran, so many locations for Atlanta allergy and asthma around Metro Atlanta. Please visit them, AtlantaAllergy.com, and on Twitter, at AtlantaAllergy. A little bit of good news from Dr. Kathleen Sheeran. Thank you so much for joining us. We're going to take a break and be right back on WSB.
Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Half an hour to go. Left in the show. This is Green and Growing on WSB. I'm glad you are here. Thanks for the support. Thanks for listening this morning. We've had a lot of guests on, and it's been a fun show. Hopefully full of good content for you. Um, so certainly feel free to listen back to the show and continue to stay with us until 9 o'clock. And then Dave Baker kicks me out, host of the Home Fix-It show, and comes on at 9 a.m. Well, this time, every Saturday morning, you know to expect Pike Nursery. I'm so glad that they join us and really share some great gardening knowledge with us. And guys, this is one that I teased ahead to. This is definitely what you're wanting to know. I've got Charles Lampkin, who's the manager of the Marietta location, on with me. Charles, welcome back. Hello, Ashley. It's nice to talk to you again. You too. So we talk about different uh, shrubs and trees and plants and annuals and those things, but this is the Mac Daddy of all topics, Charles. You, we, <laughs> we get to talk about vegetable gardening. This is like, ah, folks who have yeah, been waiting I, I, for I don't months. Know if we, I don't know <laughs> if we have enough time, but without <laughs> hesitancy, I can say we're now safe to get our vegetables in the ground. Woo, we had those frosts around April 1st and 2nd that folks covered some of their plants, and if they had put out their tomatoes, they may have not had good results but tax deadline you know give or take april 15th is kind of what we think and i don't know if you heard my call with uh, kyle a little earlier he had inherited raised beds they were already built they already had some soil in them so he was just you know kind of getting back to the basics of well it's black it looks healthy it looks airy so what is that soil texture and some of the ingredients that we want if we're preparing the bed from scratch. And this is a, a perfect place to start. Um, whether you're growing in raised beds right in the ground or in containers, we want to make sure we have enough organic and nice black soil in there, but just don't overload it because um, it can it can wreak havoc on drainage. So like you would with a tree or shrub, mix that organic um, soil in with your, with your native soils. I even personally add and a little bit of soil conditioner mm -hmm. to help even break up that soil even more. We really just want really good drainage when we're uh, when we're planting in containers, raised beds, or in the ground. But definitely want that rich, rich nutrient soil to uh, to help out those plants along along the way. Yeah, I mean, can't stress enough that soil blend, the things that you put in the raised bed or in the containers, the most important ingredient. Yeah, sunlight's really important and you need enough sunlight for these vegetables, but soil is going to just feed it and do everything that it needs to really grow and be successful. So um, most everything that we're talking about there, Charles, is in bags and it's available at the nursery. But, you know, things like grass clippings and shredded leaves and what are some items that you know, people wouldn't think of that when you say compost, stuff you're referring to. As long as it's broken down, um, you don't want to use any any fresh stuff because that can actually rob the soil of nutrients. But if you had a nice compost bin, then you might not have to come and get your bad composts. Um, but the, well, what I said, soil conditioner is basically ground up pine um, mulch and, and dirt added into it, and it just helps keep that soil nice and fluffy. Um, and, and that's what we're looking for. We're looking for a nice, loose soil, not hard and compacted. And that's what you can, that's what could happen if you just overweigh it with all composts or, um, well, I mean, for instance, we have, we have cow manure driven composts, mm -hmm. we have mushroom composts, um, and, and others. And if you just used all of that, um, it, it would, it wouldn't drain very well. And, uh, a lot of your vegetables, uh, prefer dry, um, conditions too. 
So we okay. can we can kind of transition into that if you'd like. Yeah. Well, let me ask you, too. We do have folks, you know, in apartments and high rises and different conditions where they're going to be doing some container vegetable gardening versus the folks that have a little bit more space and raised beds. But we're not doing any different ingredients based on that, are we? We're still talking about the same stuff, whether you're doing it on a small scale or a large scale. Uh, correct. And what there might be a slight difference if it's in containers or pots where you'd use potting soil. But even then, you just want to make sure that soil doesn't stay too wet. So adding a, a little extra perlite to that mix. Or you could use a raised bed mix, which is basically a larger container just sitting on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, but you just want to make sure that soil is nice and fluffy. So adding adding a little bit extra perlite, even mixing in some sand into the soil or um, or a cacti or succulent soil into that potting mix will, will help make sure it has the proper drainage for your vegetables. That's so important. Okay, and it's the time to plant all sorts of vegetables, all sorts of fruits. What's in the nursery right now? What are we seeing that we can choose from? Well, as far as your vegetables and uh, fruits are concerned, um, we have we have tomatoes, a bunch of tomatoes, a bunch of peppers, cucumbers, eggplants, squash, and zucchini, pretty much all of your traditional uh garden um, vegetables and fruits and then fruit trees is still a good time to get those in the ground blueberries are great to get in the ground now and they do well in containers uh, too Um, but um, yeah I mean the the vegetable selection right now is at the peak of its season and so what are some things that would be beneficial to plant with one another you know I know there's like a three sisters planting method where you you know can kind of make the best, utilize the space, you know, in the best way possible, um, or even flowers, like good companion plants that would be good in the garden that would attract pollinators? So to some some plants can actually help ward off insects and pests. So planting marigolds and rosemaries and lavenders in with your, um, in with your vegetable garden, and you can go ahead and have an herb garden uh, too. Uh, planting... Planting the right vegetable assortment is also very important, too. um, Thinking about uh, water requirements. Don't plant, you know, melons um, next to tomato plants. Not only will that vining plant kind of, you know, take over a lot of the ground, but they're also going to require a lot more water Mm -hmm. than a a tomato or pepper plant might as well. But, yeah, mixing in in your herbs and, and with your vegetables is a great way to not only enjoy enjoy your herbs throughout the season, but but help ward off some of your some of your pests. Yeah, it's amazing to think you know you see these beautiful displays of vegetable gardens, folks that have been at this for probably a decade or more, and when they you know sprinkle in marigolds and flowering uh, annuals, you know it's like God, that's such a beautiful look. But that serves a practical purpose too. <laughs> Uh, pests and also pollen pollinators. You got to have those pollinators to get to your vegetables and fruits, so we can so you can eventually have those have those tasty treats. And now I know everyone at the nursery. When we walk into a Pike Nursery, we're going to be able to ask for help. But those labels and those little placards in each little vegetable container tell us so much about. We're looking for spacing. You know, knowing how many tomato plants we need to buy. If we need to just buy three. It's all we have the room for if we can handle a few more planting depth and soil. Uh, I mean, a sunlight requirement. So most of these vegetables, Charles, safe bet. What's the minimum hours of sunlight I need? For for production, six hours. For the health of the plant, too, 
the shadier, usually the wetter the conditions stay. That can that can kind of bring on fungal and other problems. But six hours, nice, nice sunny spot at, at minimum, at minimum. Okay. And I'm thinking about putting tomatoes, you know, coming up this weekend in the same spot where I've had them for two years, but people hear of crop rotation. So tell me a little bit about that and whether or not I need to take that into account. I've I've heard crop rotation used before, and I've heard it used on major commercial size projects, um, more so to bring nutrients back into the soil. So that's why you see large fields of corn, and then the next season they're growing soybeans. Um, and because the corn's taking a bunch of nitrogen out of, of the ground, those soybeans, the soybeans are putting nitrogen back into the ground. If you have a small garden and you've had success year after year with the same plant material, please go ahead, go ahead and plant it. Um, <laughs> I haven't, I haven't personally switched up, you know, my recipe or my garden recipe in three or four years either, and I'm still having a lot of success. So, yes, while while the rotation and, and plant rotation and crop rotation is a real thing, um, I wouldn't stress it's importance necessarily on a small scale, you know, family size garden. Yeah, don't fix what's not broken, right? If you've <laughs> if you've had luck, absolutely. <laughs> All right, and talk to us Charles, once we get things in the ground, we can't just set it and forget it and let the sun and the soil do the rest. So talk to us about gen- general rules of thumb for fertilization, maybe how often or what what am I looking for at pike? What bag or what container is going to be best for fertilizing my vegetable garden? So this is this is one area where I I kind of lean towards staying staying organic. Um, you can you can you can use synthetic fertilizers. You can use synthetic fungicides, insecticides that are safe to wash the day after. But let's stay let's stay organic. So at the time of planting, no matter what we're planting, we want a good root stimulator. Um, root zone. If you like to use liquid seaweed extract, is is wonderful to getting plants taken off. And you can also go ahead and but start thinking about like your your fertilizer teas or your compost teas. That's something I'm really really uh, a fan of. Um, mixing in some of your some of your granulars and some of your liquid uh, water based fertilizers together and fertilizing most of your most of your uh, plants, especially like your indeterminate tomatoes and your jalapenos that just keep producing and producing are going to be heavy feeders. So I like to feed mine about every three to six weeks, and if with that tea, it's a very, it's a non-burning formula. It's very light, but it's very beneficial to, to your vegetables. Now, is that something that I make myself, or is that something that the ingredients are kind of on the ready at Pike, and I can just pick that up? We have all three of them huh. here to make, but it's as simple as, I mean, the seaweed extract is an ounce per gallon, a little fish emulsion. Mm-hmm. Um, I love earthworm castings, not only for my top dressing, but also in my teas as well. And like I said, it's a very light formula. It's not going to burn your plants. It's, it's not going to cause tons of bolting and no fruit production. Um, and it's an easy way to water, and it's an easy way to fertilize. So you're kind of doing two in one. But yeah. using using that tea about every three weeks is is my recipe for success. It might not work for others, or some don't want to use go through all that trouble. But it's a, definitely an easier way to fertilize. I like liquid fertilizers. Mm-hmm. They're easier to apply than granulars are. 
And Charles knows what he's talking about, guys. He's He's been around a time or two and had some success in the vegetable garden. So, yes, if that's what works for you, definitely don't cut corners. If you're taking all this time to prepare this wonderful vegetable garden, you need to feed it. You need to make sure you treat it right. Well, Charles, how are we going to find out more information if we want us first to go online to do a little bit of research before we decide what to pick out? Our website has a lot of videos, do-it-yourselves, and information on all the product we carry. Um, our Instagram and Facebook pages are going to show off some of our customers, you know, gardens already. And as always, and let's just do it old school, stop into our store, speak to one of us, and let us give you our, our wealth of information to help your, your projects and your gardens to be successful. All right. And I don't know if you just heard my guest from Atlanta Allergy Asthma, but that is her home location, right where you were the manager of Charles, the Pike Nursery there off Roswell Road in Marietta. So go see Charles or any of the local experts there at Pike Nurseries in your neighborhood. And this is, gosh, this, this is an exciting time to go in the nursery, see all that they have and get going on your vegetable garden. Charles, great information from you this morning. Thank you. Well, thank you. I wish we had more time. Again, we could we could talk for hours about this topic, but um, yeah, it's been great to talk uh, talking to you, and uh, let's let's get planting. Well, and I definitely think you know I may suggest to Brittany you coming back in about a month and us kind of hitting on some maintenance, like you said, maybe reminders of fertilization and maybe you know second plantings of things that we can be doing because that might be a good topic in another four or five weeks. What do you say? It, it might pest control. You know that is a they are they are a real thing. Fungal issues they do exist, but. You know, we we have everything here to to combat those issues, and that'd be a, a very good topic, like you said, in about three or four weeks, especially when we start heating up. Yeah, and we'll start getting the calls about, what's wrong with my tomato plant, this worm or this blight, or oh, goodness. So, yes, Charles, you'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> have a great weekend, sir. Uh, thank you, Ashley. Bye-bye. PikeNursery.com for more information there. Always good to speak with them at this portion of the show. All right, we're wrapping things up, folks. Well, I'll be back with the top three things you need to do in the landscape this weekend. Coming up on Green and Growing on WSB. So earlier this hour, Evelyn and Noonan had a great question about using the mulch from the trees that she had to have taken down or they came down after the storms that hit Coweta County about a month, month and a half ago. Thanks to my guest, Christy Bryant, and then Todd Vickery reached out. The mulch needs to age at least six to nine months, maybe even two years before you really plant in it because it robs the soils of nutrients as it's breaking down. So it's okay to use it right away if you're not going to be planting anything, if you're just doing islands or something like that. But let it break down so it doesn't rob nitrogen from what you're planting around it. Very good advice. Thanks, guys. Green, green and growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. Got to do it quickly. Number one, plant Easter lilies outdoors after removing their faded blooms. And bring those amaryllis from Christmas outside, too. Leave the foliage on all of those and stake them up if you have to, but put them out. Number two, water houseplants more frequently with the onset of more hours of sunshine and new green leaves. They'll definitely respond and tell you when they need to be watered and begin monthly feedings just using a houseplant fertilizer. And number three, I think we're out of the woods for any more frost. You've heard that a number of times on the show today, and we just talked with Charles at Pike Nursery. So plant those vegetables, even dahlias, elephant ear, gladiolas, and caladiums. I love it. Well, John in West Cobb was calling with a question about pruning gardenias. When is the best time? 
John, go ahead and wait until after they've bloomed. You know, they'll start putting on flowers. Now, July or August is ideal. And you can also start to shape it up if you wait until like early March, late February, early March. Do a little more shaping then as well. But the most important pruning is the, the pruning that you do after it flowers. So any of these spring flowering things, want to wait till they're done, cut them down then. So I hope that answers your question. And Ted and Covington, I'm going to talk to you about tulips. It's been a great show, guys. I'll be back next Saturday at this exact same time. And you'll catch me in the traffic center Monday morning during Atlanta's morning news. Be well. Have a good weekend. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.